0: The Pre Med Years is part of the MedEd Media Network at mededmedia.com. I'd love for you to go check out the Shortcoat Podcast, which is part of the MedEd Media Network. The Shortcoat Podcast can be found at theshortcoat.com. The Pre Med Year, session number 230. Hello, and welcome to the two time Academy Award nominated podcast, The Pre Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. I wonder if I should change that to becoming a medical student, because really that's what we're trying to do. Anyway. Welcome to the pre med years. I want to take a second and thank Cram Fighter for continuing to be a sponsor here at the pre med years. Cram Fighter, if you do not know, is the perfect place to go and set up a, a perfectly customized study schedule for your MCAT. You log into the website, you tell it the materials that you have, the date that you want to take the test, when you're starting. And Let it work its magic. Go check them out, cramfighter.com. I'll have a coupon code that I'll give you in a little bit to save 25% off their service. All right, so today I have an awesome guest, somebody that has been part of the Hangout, and if you're not part of the Hangout group, you need to be, medicalschoolhq.net slash group. It's our private Facebook group, specifically for listeners here at The pre med years and all of the med ed media shows. So, medicalschoolhq.net slash group. Now, Chad doesn't really share this during the interview, but I'll talk about it a little bit at the end. There was a member of the Hangout that's reached out to Chad and actually helped him secure possibly an interview at one of the medical schools that he applied to and was ultimately accepted to. So I'll share a little bit more about that after the interview. Let's go ahead and dive right in. Chad, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Congratulations on your recent acceptance to medical school. I want to know what it was like for you to receive your acceptance and, and finally have that golden ticket to medical school.
1: Oh, honestly, it was such a relief. For me and for my family my uh, my wife and my kids have been supporting me through this journey of mine for ten years now. It'll be ten years in July that we've been married, and so we're we're relieved and we're excited about the the next step, and we feel ready for it.
0: How old are you now
1: so i'm thirty two i'll be thirty three when I start school in the fall
0: all right so thirty two Ten years on this journey, we'll get to why it took so long in a minute, but when did you realize finally that you wanted to be a doctor?
1: You know, I was, uh, initially I became interested in healthcare with um, watching my brother. Um, So I'm the youngest of four boys and uh, I have an older brother who uh, went to medical school while I was still in high school. And, uh, he was kind of the first one in our family to take the healthcare route. And I've always looked up to him a lot and admired him and everything. And so I took a, an initial interest in, in healthcare there and always kind of knew to myself, knew uh, for myself that I didn't want to go into business or anything to do with sales. Um, I, I struggled with the idea of doing something like that as a career. So, um, so medicine seemed like a good fit, but uh, but I was definitely torn early on because I was really involved in music and bands and things like that. And you know, my senior project in high school was putting on a, a 9/11 concert, like a fundraiser concert for the Red Cross. And so I, you know, kind of thought that I would go into that side of things. But as time went on, I I went and served a a mission in in Brazil for two years and kind of developed a, an interest for helping people and things like that. And so after, after that time, I volunteered in a hospital and started to explore healthcare as a career more seriously. And that's when I knew that was what I wanted to do.
0: How old were you at that point?
1: I was, uh, I was 21 when I came home from, from Brazil. And that was, you know, yeah. 11 years ago. Okay,
0: so. so there's that 10, 11 years. So, yeah. assuming you you start school and you hit it hard, four years of undergrad and apply to medical school, but it's been 10 years for you. So, what has happened in the interim that that has led to such a long path for you?
1: Yeah, I wish I could say that I graduated and went on to some other career and then changed my mind or whatever, but... Honestly, I just I struggled. I struggled a big time. Um, I I struggled in high school even. I wanted to uh to go to a certain undergrad university, um, and I was told by, you know, my advisors in high school that I would never be able to go there just because I was not a good enough student. <laughs> and uh so when I came home from from Brazil, I went to a community college and kind of built up my academics enough to be able to go to to BYU and then uh, went there and struggled big time. Um, I got married the first year that I was at BYU um, and we started having kids right away. And you know, it's funny, my wife, she struggled um, before we had kids. And after we had our first child, she, she did amazing in school and I was totally the other way around. I, I, I hit BYU my early on doing really well. And then we, um, you know, got married and started having kids and, and it just, uh, kind of fell apart for me, but I, um, wasn't willing to step away from academics or anything like that. I just kept on pushing myself to try again the next semester sort of thing. And so there was this big, long, you know, drawn out process of me failing classes and trying again and things like that. And, it was a it was a pretty terrible rut that I that I dug for myself
0: for you, sure. You talked about struggling even in high school and and as you began college. What did what does that mean? What does struggling mean? Were you not finding enough time to study or studying inefficiently? What does that exactly mean?
1: I think I think I I'm one of those students who genuinely just like didn't know how to perform well. Um, I was not. Good at dedicating myself to homework and to studying and 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 grades and things like that, and so I was always, uh, you know, perfectly fine in, in terms of you know behavior and that kind of thing. But I uh, I struggled um, I struggled with my academics, and honestly, I just I just wasn't a very good student. So
0: going into undergrad, I'm assuming because you had come back from your your mission trip with this purpose. That you started college as premed, is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did um, okay I started taking prerequisites even even while I was uh, doing community college after my mission and okay and uh, so you' know, you
0: you're, you're pre-med you yeah. have an older brother who has been through the process, so I'm assuming he's helping you a little bit to understand what needs to be done with with knowing Uh, with the assumption that uh, I'm, I'm assuming you knew that grades were important and being a good student is important. Why, why wasn't that drive there?
1: Yeah, again, I mean, I, I, I went to my brother a lot for advice and things like that, and he was very successful. And, and, um, when I look back at all the different things that he's told me, he's always gave me sound advice, but, um, I struggled I struggled with school a lot, and uh, i i don't have I don't have like a really good way of just pinpointing you know this is the reason why it certainly wasn't that I didn't understand the importance of doing well in your classes um i I did you know i I, I think I kind of had this mindset that um that I could make up for it in other aspects of my life and I and I really dug into working in healthcare and and sought out any kind of job that I could in, in like a wide variety of different um, places so I've worked in a psych hospital I did home health I did uh, worked in a regional hospital for um, for several years just kind of thinking you know I'm going to make up for for my my poor academics by by showing my commitment to the career and obviously that just wasn't a the right way to approach it and uh, and like I said i mean i i had some I had some changes that I had to make in in the the way I approached school and and it was just something i I was never really good at and uh only only recently in the past couple of years was I able to kind of make all that come together and actually you know commit myself to school the way i the way I needed to 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 be successful
0: those first couple of years where you are Struggling along, what were you doing as as I talk about on this podcast a lot? Course correct, or were you Mm -hmm. even trying to course correct, or were you just kind of going at it the same every time? Going okay, maybe this time will be different.
1: You know, I I seriously think I put in a a sincere effort to course correct, Um, even with my academics and stuff. uh, I would, you know, utilize the different services that that were on campus to um you know, learn about scheduling your time better and and how to study better and things like that. And um I just didn't I, I don't think I applied that material uh properly. Uh, I think I think there was a a major commitment issue for me with um with with my working and providing for my family and stuff like that. I um you know I always was putting that kind of stuff first, um, before academics. And I, it wasn't until much later on that, you know, I, I really learned something that, uh, an advisor told me was that you're, you're not trying to prove to medical schools that you, um, uh, that you will make a good doctor. You're trying to prove to them that you'll make a good student. And, uh, and I just really hadn't taken the time to do that. So
0: how much were you working back when you were in school originally?
1: I always worked full time sometimes more than full time I always had a, at least one full time job and frequently you know a part time job of some sort i I would try to find jobs the where um you know I could be working and doing homework or something like that, or I, or I would work you know graveyards at at the at the psych hospital and you were allowed to do homework through the night and kind of had this mindset that I could make both work and um it just you know i th- some people do my my family has always uh worked and gone to school at the same time and and many many people do but um you know when i finally went back and did post back and stuff uh my family and i committed to just focusing on school and i quit my job and didn't have any other side things going on whatsoever um and was finally able to perform well so i think i think there was major issues with me being able to commit to school.
0: <laughs> it sounds like it because talking to you and hearing this story, it's like, okay, I had this issue, I had this issue, I had this issue, and then I was finally able to figure out the last couple of years, but yeah. you're also saying the last couple of years, you focused 100% on school.
1: Right. I think, I, I mean, I think that really was the issue. It was just my inability to commit to school and treat it like a full-time job, you know, um, by, by saying it was, it was,
0: inability, are, do you mean inability for you to, to wrap your head around it or inability because you needed to have a job to bring in income?
1: Well, I just thought that I always had to have a job to bring in income and that I couldn't make it work any other way. So I guess, I guess when I say inability, I mean, you know, wrapping my mind around that idea.
0: A lack of thinking outside the box. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right, so you struggled along. It sounds like for a while. As you obviously, ten years into this process, how long were you in school, or did you finally give up before ever getting your degree?
1: So, I I struggled along, man. And the the way that they um, would do um, any kind of academic. Uh, suspension or probation at my school Um, you know if you got below a 2.0 one semester you would be put on academic probation but you were allowed to just go the next semester and so I had this like you know floundering between a 2.0 and below 2.0 for years and finally uh, in 2012 you know I got an academic probation again and then below a 2.0 the next semester and was put on a, a year-long academic suspension. And honestly, even then, I didn't really take a break from me trying to, to do work and school and all that stuff. I, I, I basically bounced over to another university close by and took classes during that year and tried to get back into BYU before the year was up and they did not approve that so you know um, I eventually was able to go back to BYU Uh, after a year I changed my major um, to something that I would be able to finish much faster they said you know if you graduate with a degree in exercise science you can be done by just taking one more class and so that's what I did Um, and You know, I I, I took the MCAT at that time, which, um, you know, looking back, I was I'm not sure what I was thinking, to be honest. (laughs) But I I took the MCAT. I kind of had in my mind, like, you know, I I knew these different doctors from working at the hospital and many of them actually went to Caribbean schools and they were like, don't worry, Chad, you can you can go to St. George's. You'll you'll be able to commit yourself to school and and you'll do great. So just apply there and and, you know. It'll work out great. I'll even write you a letter of recommendation and such. And I applied to St. George's and AUC and was actually rejected from both of them. And <laughs> really? I, they they actually reject the students? People, yeah, They do. <laughs> I'm probably one of the few people in the world who's been rejected from Caribbean schools. Wow. And uh, I and was a... When I, was this? I was a wreck, man. It was terrible. Um, let's see. That was probably the end of 2012, 20... No. No, it was 2014. It was 2014 when that happened.
0: Okay, so you're so, you're floundering around, yeah, <laughs> hovering around a 2.0 ish GPA, maybe a little bit above. At at what point or at, at any point did you say, you know what, maybe I'm just not cut out for this doctor thing?
1: Uh, I think I kind of worried about that in the back of my mind um, the whole time, and I and honestly. It probably, it probably affected my, my ability to, to do well in school. Um, I, I definitely had confidence issues. I always have, you know. And so kind of in the back of my mind, I, I know that, like, I'm not really going anywhere with this, but, but I want to be a doctor so bad, and I'm not willing to walk away from it. And I'm being told by advisors and, and even, you know, pre-med advisors, like, Look, Chad, <laughs> this is probably not the best option for you. And even then, you know, I always had different individuals in my life that would uh, keep encouraging me or, or say, you know, you can make this work, such as like, for example, those doctors telling me that, "'t worry, you can go to Caribbean school, you'll do well, and everything will be fine. And so um, once I received rejections to those uh, to those two Caribbean schools I. Um, it all kind of just crashed down <laughs> on me, realizing, like, what, what kind of mess I had really created. And the time went by so fast. You know, talk about a student going through undergrad for 10 years. But, you know, I'm, I'm working full time, and I'm having kids at the same time. And, and uh, it, it really just flew by. I didn't even realize how, how big of a mess I had created. You know yeah. what I mean?
0: So you, you get these rejection letters from... The Caribbean schools, which again I mm-hmm. think is the first time I've ever heard of that. But uh, <laughs> congratulations! Um, yeah. What what discussion? Obviously, you're married. You have kids. There's this this journey is not just you. How do you sit down and have a discussion with your wife about this? Saying, "Look, I just I was rejected. What should we do from here? How do you did you have that conversation with your wife?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, we've had that conversation many times and, you know, my wife was super supportive of whatever it was that I was going to try to do and uh, I would talk to her kind of the same way that I would talk to myself just kind of, you know, convincing us that that it's going to be okay and we'll just we'll work it out and, you know, she was ready to go to the Caribbean with me and all that stuff. And um, and so um you know, she was, she was just kind of like the ultimate support along the, along the way. Um, we struggled for sure. Like it, it, uh, it definitely put, a uh, some, some difficulties into our marriage and stuff. And, um, part of my turning around my, my academics was us, uh, spending time. We went to, to marriage counseling for, for several months and it made a big difference in us supporting each other i think uh, but also just me being able to learn to focus my you know my time and energy onto to what is going to make a big difference for us down the line so
0: how do you how, how did you eventually come to the conclusion that you needed to stop working full time and dedicate yourself to being a student, how did you come to that situation uh, financially and and talking through it with your wife and figuring out everything because I, I know for non traditional students that 's a huge a huge hurdle is giving up the income to go back and study
1: yeah yeah, I actually um, shortly after all of that happened in two thousand and fourteen, um, a friend of mine started working at a a software company in utah and they had some job openings and he suggested that i come over there and work with him and i had just graduated um, from byu and uh, was kind of at this impasse of not really knowing what to do next and this job was uh, the first time i had been offered something that paid anything decent um it wasn't incredible but i mean it was enough for us to to live on and um but i knew that it meant walking away from from healthcare so it was really tough and you know i talked about all those healthcare jobs that i had none of them paid over 10 dollars an hour so um you know this was the first time something with like a decent salary was being offered and so i walked away from my job at the hospital and uh, started working for this company and they were such an awesome company i mean like the kind of place that has you know, the, the super rad break room and like they would send our family to Disneyland and stuff like that, you know. and And even then, you know, after just a few months of working there, I was like, man, I am not happy doing this. Like I can tell that if I don't make this work for me to become a physician, I am going to regret it for the rest of my life. But working there taught me a lot about dedicating myself to projects and working in a professional space and uh, kind of being on my own and doing well. And I think it gave me a lot of tools to finally go back to school and perform well. But it was, it was my big uh, aha moment of, you know, I, I can't just substitute my, my dream of being a doctor for something else. And so my wife and I talked about it. And, and thankfully, you know, we were on various social programs, food stamps and things like that. And so, you know, there's no way I would have been able to go back to school if we weren't. Um, but we were able to make it work financially to where I was going to go back to school and just do school. And, uh, at the time I had gotten in touch with a, a med advisor at another school. And she's actually the gal who introduced me to this podcast. Um, and she just kind of went through all of my transcripts with me and was like, look, if you want to try to make this work, you, you can. Um, the, basically, the plan was to do some major post uh correction and fixing of the GPA and utilize that, you know, a Comus policy that was still intact in at the time <laughs> of GPA replacement. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I knew that this was kind of my last... Chance to to make it work, and so that was uh, working outside of healthcare for a few months was all it really took. <laughs> wow, interesting.
0: All right, I want to talk to you more about Cram Fighter now. Cram Fighter, the first thing that always comes up is I already am taking Kaplan or are I already signed up for Princeton Review? Doesn't matter. Cram Fighter will still work for you, and you should still use it. Cram Fighter lets you choose the specific resources that you are going to use and creates a customized study plan just for you. Now, I talked to two students this past week about their experiences with a different test prep company, and we talked about creating study plans. And they said that one of their number one pains was creating a study plan. Now, it doesn't have to be a pain for you. Cramfighter will work with whatever you are using to study for the MCAT. Check them out and save 25% using the promo code PREMED25. That's all capital letters, PREMED25. cramfighter.com. So you you find an advisor that gives you a little bit of a of hope. How did you how did you work your post Did you just go to a, a an undergrad institution and kind of put stuff together? Did you go to a formal post back?
1: yeah, it was definitely like a, a, a do it yourself post back um, I sat down with her and and just figured out what classes I should take uh you know several of them were repeats from undergrad a few of them were upper level sciences and you know, I, I mentioned that during my academic suspension, I, I went over to another university and took some classes. Well, this was the university that I did those classes at. So I went from BYU over to Utah Valley University, which is another very large school in the area. It has like 30,000 plus students, but um, they're open enrollment. You know, there's no, there's no uh, minimum requirements or anything like that. And so I uh, was able to kind of just put together my own academic. Plan and and take it from there, and and I knew that I was going to have to retake the MCAT, and and uh, was really hoping to to make it work from there.
0: I'm interested to know what you scored on the MCAT the first time you took it with your poor prior academic performance.
1: Yeah, so my initial MCAT was uh, the old MCAT, and it was a 22. Um, Crushed and, it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so. And and oddly enough, the the 22 was not what held me back from Caribbean schools. That was the one thing that came up as a positive in my, in (laughs) my, um, you know, my application. But so I started going to, to this post back and then I, I retook the MCAT and I mean, a lot of amazing things happened along the way. I, I won a prep course through Kaplan, which, uh, there's no way I would have been able to afford to do that. Um. I, I got a, dec- a decent score. I didn't do terribly well on the MCAT. I um, actually got a much lower score than what I was averaging on my full lengths, but mm. um, it was good enough, I guess. Well, I mean, I say it was good enough, but I still, after my post back had to go on and do uh, a special master's program, so... So
0: yeah you know, you, there was still more ahead yeah so yeah. let's let's go ahead and talk chat, chat about that so let's talk about the mcat score so you you did your post you retook these classes. How did yeah. you do through the post now that you're being a student full time
1: yeah, so I did really well my my final post which I took uh like thirty three credit hours in my post and my final GPA was just shy of a 3.8. It was like a 3.79 or something like that. Okay. Um, so Very I did good. get a B in there, you know, but, um, but I did well in that and uh, was able to actually, I mean, I kind of did a little bit of work during that time. I was able to TA for organic chemistry through that and um, establish some good connections for new letters of recommendation Things like that along the way, but okay. yeah, I was. And so, studying for the for the MCAT, um, I I ended up with a with getting a, a five hundred one uh, as my final score, which, uh, like I said, I was disappointed. My last three full lengths were five hundred two, five hundred four, and five hundred seven. Um, and five hundred seven was the official AAMC. Wow! And this was like right when the MCAT had just changed. You know. Yeah. So you.
0: You get a five hundred one. That's still a, a decent score. It's not a great score. It's an okay score. Uh, it's yeah. interesting to hear that you scored a five hundred seven on the official double AMC one, and then a five hundred one was. What was there one section that brought you down the most? Was it cars? Like for no, most people?
1: No, actually, cars was my best. Um, my best score. I right? I I got a one twenty seven on the cars section. Um, i it was it was actually the chem phys section which um i in all of my post back i never i never came back to physics at all um or okay. gen chem actually i took gen gen chem uh back in like two thousand four or something like that two thousand six when uh um when i was still at the uh community college and so you know i I kind of approached it knowing that if I get hit with a bunch of physics passages I'm I'm going to struggle but I I really unless I retake physics I'm I'm going to you know I kind of just gambled with that and unfortunately I got hit with like 3 physics passages on my chem phys section It brought my score down significantly oh, bad luck so, oh well it kind kind of is a little bit bad luck I even when when I was working through the the course and stuff and talking to different people they were like you know, you just got to focus where you can. And, and I wouldn't, you know, try to dig through all of physics because you're going to end up ignoring stuff that you could do better on by just, you know, providing effort there. So,
0: yeah. So you, you finish your post back, you retake the MCAT, get a 501. You, I'm assuming you applied to medical school at that point in time and weren't accepted again.
1: You know, actually I applied and while I was applying, I went through my ACOMIS application and the GPA that came up, my calculated GPA was actually incorrect. Um, I, this is a little bit of a long story, so I apologize, but I paid for the professional transcript entry, had all of that put in, which obviously there was a ton to put in there. Mm. Um, I tried to catch all of the errors that they had made in the professional entry, which there were, there were tons of little mistakes and stuff, but I didn't understand how the, um, marking it as the repeat, uh, worked from one institution to another. So all of my, all of my poor grades at BYU that got repeated in, in my post instead of the GPA being swapped out, instead of the grade replacement being used, they were just averaged together. Uh, So my GPA came up and it was just, it was actually below a 3.0 and I, that was not the GPA that I was expecting. And I actually talked to you about it at the time and you were saying, just, you know, keep, keep calling them, tweet at them, email them, (laughs) get them to change it, you know, and they recognized the mistake, but you know, that fell on me for missing it, even though I paid for their service, you know, I should have just entered it myself at the time So I start to realize, like, oh man, I'm going to get screened out of schools and stuff.
0: So you had already submitted at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah, I submitted. I had already submitted uh, before the verification had occurred, which was Ah. another mistake, you know. And um, when I saw that GPA being below a 3.0, I I knew I was going to get screened out of places. And I had just heard—I didn't even know what a SMP was. Um, I had just heard about it from the old pre-meds podcasts when Richard Levy was talking about, you know, this other option of doing a one year masters. And and so I was able to kind of scramble and get, you know, enrolled into a master's for that fall. And I knew that I was with the way my application set up and the way I finished my finished my whole post back before applying, I was gonna have a gap year anyway. So I thought, well, I'm just gonna use this gap year to do a one year master's program and you know, after this whole GPA thing had just happened, I was probably not going to get, you know, accepted anywhere anyway. And what do you think?
0: What, what was your GPA supposed to be, roughly?
1: So it was going to end up at about a 3.4. Okay. Which,
0: which is you know, a decent GPA.
1: Sure. Yeah. So that's, that's where the grade replacement was going to put me.
0: Talk to me about the, the thought process behind going and accruing more debt in an SMP versus just waiting a year doing some volunteering, some shadowing, whatever, and just reapplying with the correct GPA.
1: You know, I, I felt at the time, like if I, uh, if I wasn't doing something academically related during that gap year, I thought about doing another year of post back during the time I thought, you know, I could even get my GPA up higher and, and reapply with, uh, with a better GPA. And we were really tempted to do that. And there was, you know, uh, the option to do this special master's program. And we found a school where the medical school classes that are involved in the master's program, um, you don't have to repeat them if you stay on at that school. And so we kind of looked at it as like an opportunity to just get started with medical school, if that makes sense. And, um, Jumped at that opportunity. And <laughs> I, I'm i so thankful that that's what I did because, you know, three months later, the announcement comes out from a comus that they're dropping the grade replacement policy for the following year or whatever. Um, and I would have been up a creek big time at that point. It would have been a really tricky situation.
0: Yeah. How did you go about researching SMPs and, and finding this program that, that had this policy?
1: Just started googling different schools basically um i didn't I didn't find a, a good resource to you know specifically look at the different s and p programs and how much they cost and what what their different policies were and things like that so I just started googling different programs and knew that I was going to try to move east toward where my wife is from so we could be closer to her family and such. So we basically just took a bunch of schools that were, you know, top of our list anyway and looked into their programs and talked to advisors from those schools and kind of made our choice that way.
0: How was it going from undergrad post-bac classes to an SMP where you're basically taking classes a lot of times with the medical students? What was that transition like for you?
1: Um, it, it was a, th- a smooth transition. Thankfully, um, the, the program was rigorous, um, and, you know, the only, you would have one actual medical school class, which was medical gross anatomy, you know, with the med students. And then you would have all these other classes that are graduate classes. And, um, I think by the end of my post back, I had kind of established a good, uh, system for myself to do well in school. Um, and was able to perform very well. I have a uh, 4.0 coming out of that program. So, um, it was, it was a smooth transition. I realized that those programs can be, you know, kind of a high risk opportunity, high risk, high reward. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, I think we were confident that we were going to, to do well there. Um, and, and Usually
0: with, with starting an SMP, the, the timeline for starting the SMP and for the application cycle, you, you don't get a lot of time in the SMP before you're already applying for the next, the next application cycle. Is, is that how it was at your school there as well?
1: Yeah, yeah. actually it was. I mean, um, so, so I finished my application early, you know, in like June. And all of this stuff happened with the GPA calculation and looking into SMPs. And by then most SMPs were closed as far as like applying to them and things like that, because it generally is for a student who's been rejected. And then maybe the school reaches out and offers you this, this program or whatever. Um, but I was able to talk to these different schools individually and found three that would let me apply and then one that let me in as like a a late applicant. So so my performance there um, actually ended up factoring into the same application cycle. So I had that fall semester uh, and updated all of my grades and things like that. And um you know that factored into me getting accepted to the school I did my S P at. And then I was actually Offered an interview and accepted to another school after the fall semester, um, and uh, ultimately, that's actually where we're going. So, so I did my SMP at at LMU DCOM in Tennessee, which is where we are now. Mm-hmm. And then I was, and then after the fall semester, so just recently, I was offered a, an interview at Nova in Florida. So we're going to be going down there. Great. That's awesome. So yeah, it all worked into the same single application cycle. So we've been (laughs) going fast.
0: Yeah. So, so explain, explain that timeline again. So you, you apply in June, your transcripts are messed up and show a GPA 3.0 or less. That's the application that got you into two medical schools?
1: Yeah. Yeah. With the fall, you know, this, this most recent fall semester, of uh, 4.0 at at in an smp but yeah that's the the same application and and I was never able to actually update it um formally you know to to fix the grade replacement uh but the 4.0 in my fall semester of an smp so I have that graduate 4.0 gpa post back 3.78 gpa and now my cumulative GPA after the fall semester just barely got bumped up above a 3.0, like a 3.08 or something like that. <laughs> now, and how that did, put me over the threshold. How did
0: you go about, since a said, sorry, nothing we can do about it, I'm assuming that you went and notified each of the schools individually and gave them a breakdown of what should be your GPA?
1: I, I tried to do that. You know, it, um they just have so many different applications to to sort through and um the, the acomas basically told me you're going to have to contact schools individually and and break this down for them and which is incredibly difficult to do in a concise email that that makes sense but um you know i contacted several schools and was was being you know contacted back and told uh there's nothing really we can do for you we just go by what acomas says and that's actually what you know got me to look into the S&P programs and stuff like that because I realized that I was up against a wall.
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. What has been your biggest lesson learned on this whole journey for you?
1: Oh, there's been so many, you know. Um, but probably just to pick, pick something and dedicate yourself to it, I guess. Um, for me, it was academics. I, I, I just really had to um, go in all the way with that. And um, that's something that I've, that I've never really been good at. I've always kind of spread myself thin. So I've, I've learned how to focus on one thing at a time. It's made a big difference.
0: I talk a lot about Plan Bs and not having a Plan B at any point along the way. Did you start trying to formulate a Plan B?
1: I did not. I mean, other than other than that moment where I walked away from healthcare, um, that was never really a Plan B for me. That was more like, okay, this door has closed. Now what? Um. And then coming back into it, and even with these things happening along the way, um, I, I never gave myself a plan B. Um, I was told to constantly, but uh, I'm thankful that I didn't because I, I probably would not be where I am right now if I, if I had a plan B.
0: <laughs> what did your wife say to you when you finally received that acceptance?
1: Oh, we cried a lot. <laughs> we all, my kids cried, you know, they, they're old enough now to where they, they understood the, the struggle that, that, that we were going through and, and uh, they, they're always, you know, every now and then they'll just come up to me and hug me and tell me how proud they are of me and stuff like that. So they've, they've all been very, very happy and excited.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. As we wrap up here, what what would you say to a student who's in your situation that's struggling through their undergrad and not doing well on their MCAT and and just ready to throw it all away even though it's been their dream their entire life?
1: Yeah. I I really hope to be able to spend time, you know, with mentoring and and helping students that are struggling because I struggled so much. And uh, when I look back at my journey to where I am now, I I, I wish that I could go and talk to my 24, or 26, or even 28-year-old self and just kind of first of all say, you know, everything is going to be okay. And and that you need to find a way. You need to find a way to dedicate yourself to success um, and whatever whatever thing that is that you need to be successful with. Uh, you need to drop everything else that's distracting you, that's preventing you, and and if you do. Uh, new new doors are going to open for you. New opportunities are going to come your way um, because you faced head on the thing that you struggled with most. So, kind of those two things. Everything is going to be okay because I had I, I sincerely believed many different times that it was not going to be okay, um, and and that you need to dedicate yourself to whatever it is that is stopping you.
0: All right. Thank you again. That was Chad sharing his story from a struggling undergrad to a struggling post-bacc student and, and now a successful medical school applicant and and will be starting medical school medical school soon. And so Chad shared with me after the interview and I won't share all the specifics, but he shared with me after the interview the benefit of being in the hangout, the medical school Facebook hangout. Again, medicalschoolhq.net slash group to be part of that hangout. And he had, he's a very active member in this Facebook group and was sharing his story. And another member in that group who is an ambassador for the medical school that he goes to reached out to Chad and said, hey, you should apply to our school because I think you'd be a good fit here. And this was already more than halfway through the application cycle, roughly, and Chad had submitted his primary application, but didn't submit a secondary to the school. And so Chad submitted his secondary, got a got a phone call from the Dean of Admissions, was accepted, invited for an interview, and ultimately accepted at that school. And that's where Chad is going to go to school. So magic things happen in the Hangouts. So I I I am super psyched about that story and I'll probably use it all the time to talk about how you should be part of this Facebook group. It's free. It's easy. Medicalschoolhq.net slash group. That's all I have for you today. I hope you have a great week and we'll catch you next time here at the pre-med years.